Welcome to Roadhouse Minute, the podcast where we review the best bad movie of all time, Roadhouse, one minute at a time, and where we always try to be nice until it's time not to be nice. I'm Roger. I'm Marcy. And I'm so excited this week. We are joined by two amazing guests. Uh, they are the hosts of Deep Blue Sea Minute, uh, Jay Cluett. How are you doing, Jay? I'm good, thank you. Thank you for having me on the show. And Mark Hoffmeyer, how are you doing, Mark? I'm wondering how to get ready for this. I went, my, me, my wife, and my daughter, we went to a brewery last night and just beat the daylights out of a ton of people. Oh, yeah. <laughs> like we, just, you know, like we just wanted to get, even the bouncers. So I kind of felt bad about that. But, you know, I just was like, I got to get in, like, the spirit of this movie. So um, you might have to bail me out uh, when they find us, but it was worth it because I just wanted to bring some authenticity to this episode. I have heard in the spirit of authenticity, a little bird told me that you actually have some professional experience in the world of bouncing. Is that true? Oh, oh yeah. Like five years, maybe? Many years, yeah. So, so I was a were, you a were you a bouncer or a cooler? So that's a really great question, actually, because... I would say I was more of a cooler because I, so I, I worked at Florida state and uh, undergrad and grad, just so like, I didn't want to go in debt. So I worked as a bouncer. They pay you cash, easy money. And then I worked in St. Pete uh, for a while. My uncle opened a club. That's what you do in Florida. And um, I got a job there. Then the bar next to the door liked me. So then I started working with them and I was never like the, I was never like the, the bro bouncer that you stereotypically think about. Who's just, you know, I'm going to talk to chicks and like, I'm going to drink beer. Like I, I, I mean, I wasn't as Zen as Swayze, but I was very observant. I was nice. Like, I would put people on timeout. Like, I'd sit here for 10 minutes, cool down. Because, like, you know, like, you know, if you spill coffee, it's better to have a lid on it than, like, just an open cup. So, like, I would just try to keep a lid on things because it spreads like wildfire. Like, as you see in this movie, like, a fight breaks out in a bar, it's out of control. So, it's better to catch it beforehand. So, yeah, I was like, I was like the cooler, but I was kind of the muscle. Um, yeah, I guess I was more of a cooler. Yeah. I wasn't like the leader of the group like Swayze was. Uh, I preferred to like, there's like always, well, at most there's maybe three of us working at a time. So we were just more of like a unit, I would say. Very yeah. good. Well, uh, I'm, it's it's good that we've brought you to these minutes because this is definitely one of the more exciting fight scenes in the movie. And we're going to talk about that. But uh, let me just, attention must be paid to the format. This is minute 82 of Roadhouse. Uh, this minute starts with Jimmy beckoning to the bouncers to come get some. And it ends with Jiminy bludgeoning Hank with extreme prejudice. So, yeah. So this is this is where the this is where the fight begins. Um, and so I have two questions. The first one is, where is Jimmy coming from with this sort of like come hither gesture? It really seems like like when you watch the beginning of this minute, it looks like something out of like a kung fu movie. If, if you think about who did this movie, like the, if you look at the stunt background, Charlie Pacerni, uh, Benny the Jet. You had Jeff Amata in there as stunt people. Uh, this guy who took the job, uh, what was he? Uh, his Actually, his name is, um, he's actually a very talented martial artist before he took this. He was in the Navy. I don't know if y'all have talked about this, but what, Marshall Teague? Oh, Marshall he, Teague, yeah. Yeah, he was in the Navy. He was like a professional fighter. They brought him in like, hey, come do this. So I think it was just Matrix ripped it off, actually. But no, I, I think it's fun because he's super confident in his abilities. They came there to start problems. And so the, the whole come hither thing is just him waiting to, so I mean, it makes sense to me that someone would do that. Like he's looking for a fight. I think uh, Dalton made the mistake of letting those three guys go in. He's the cooler. Yeah. He so, okay. This dude. Absolutely. So that's, that's yeah. my follow-up question. We know rule number two says 
Never start something inside the bar unless it's absolutely necessary. And yeah. like Jack looks over at Dalton, like, "Hey, well, what do you think, man?" And Dal- like, why does Dalton think that the best thing, really, for the double deuce right now is for his three clearly outclassed bouncers to come in and like try to engage with this this master of destruction? Well, I think he's he's seeing this as this isn't just as an attack happening on the double deuce. This is also his guys are still in training. They're still learning how to be, like, at some point, he's going to move on. I, I, I love the kind of Dalton's the Mary Poppins of bouncers. And like, he comes in <laughs> until he's not needed anymore and he moves on. So he's still he's still teaching these guys to to kind of work when he's not there. So there'll be a time when he's not there. There'll be the three that have to go in and face this guy. They need to work out what, what to do with somebody who overmatches them. And this is their learning experience for them, which is don't do this. Don't do what happens here. It doesn't end well for you. <laughs> You're saying that Dalton is attempting to teach these guys a lesson in like the Always. worst possible way? Yes, absolutely. Wow. They need to learn. Should, I don't you know. Not have done. So Marcy, when you were a bar fighter, like bouncer, oh, yeah. what, what would you have done? <laughs> like, what Would you have sent your troops in to get shellacked or would you have stepped I... up and been the leader? I think I would have sent them in, but maybe with some weaponry, like grab a chair and get in there or, you know, like take a table with you or something. Cause you know, they're going against the Q stick here and it's clearly beating the crap out of them. Yeah. So that's a good point. Like not only is Jimmy clearly like in much better shape than any of these guys, he's already armed with a weapon. I mean, he just showed he knows how to use it. He was doing a bunch of tricks. Oh, oh yeah! Before he came down and beckoned them. <laughs> well, we we know that he can. He's got a mean pirouette. We doesn't really know. What, we don't really know yet what he can do with his weapon. We're gonna find that out in this minute. I mean, it's just. I, I think is. I'm listen. I I really hate these movies where, like, you know, I'm a big fan of MMA. Like, I trained MMA for a long time, and you get people watching it, and they're like, "What I would have done was a triple backflip and then a double scoop to take out, you know, Tiny Lister," and you're like, "No." Like, Tiny Lister would just destroy you. Like, there, there's so I'm not saying like I know how to fight or I could take this guy out, but it's I would have gone in because all those dudes set up the fight around the bar. Keep your bouncers on the on the ex, like auxiliary crew. You step up, you take out Jimmy. That's I don't know. Or is, you know, there, send a, yeah. is there any strategy to like sending in some people to start tiring Jimmy out? Like, that's your crew though, right? Yeah, maybe Dalton thinks like yeah. Dalton thinks that he's not he can't go in straight on with this cue stick and Jimmy, and he needs to get him a little tired. Do we think that Dalton thinks that three against one, these guys have a chance, or have we just decided that he already knows they're just cannon fodder? Oh, has he has has he seen Jimmy fight at this point? I don't know. I don't. This is Jimmy's first fight. Well, then maybe he thinks three against one. Maybe yeah. Maybe he's not that good of a character judge as he, as he thinks he is. <laughs> Maybe. I don't Maybe. know. After that intimidating twirl with the cue stick and the minute before, though. I, I, I'm sure Mark's got some stories of people who have shown off with a cue stick and then found out they could they can barely even throw it, let alone hit with it. Yeah, they're the best to take out. Anybody who shows <laughs> off in a bar, you throw them out. It's it's like the ones that like lurk in the corner that don't say much. Then those are the ones who get you. Mark, did you have to ever tackle someone who was armed with a weapon? And if so, what were the what what was the worst that you had to deal with? Oh man, I got I've been stabbed by beer bottles. Uh, oh. I've been hit in the head with beer bottles. Um, and so, all right. So these law students came in one night, and it was St. Pete, two thirty in the morning. They went after my manager, so I jumped in. Um, like I, you know, I never in my years of bouncing, I, I probably got into like a handful of like actual fist fights because I always look for other angles. 
But here I am. So I'm, I guess one guy's holding my right arm and I'm hitting people with my left arm. And I guess a guy who wasn't even part of the group was behind me hitting me on the back of the head with a bottle. So like he turned my head into hamburger and then it finally broke on my head. And then he was trying to stab me in the back with it. But I was too busy like running around punching people that like he kept missing me and like just scratching my back. And then wow. eventually when I chased them all downstairs, uh, I uh, got like, you know, just chased them all down. They all ran downstairs. And then like someone came up to me and they're like, Mark, your shirt's all scratched and like your head's all. And I started <laughs> feeling my head and I'm like, oh, my gosh. Uh, and then, a, then a, one of the bartenders was like, yeah, this someone was just behind you hitting you on the head with a model. Uh, this is funny because Marcy and I were talking. So, you know, there's that there's that first there, Dalton's first fight in the double deuce, the one where he gets thrown through the window of the office. And then he's fighting O'Connor. I think at the time, Marcy, you and I were you were sort of you were surprised that Dalton it took to long, so long for Dalton to realize he had been like gut slashed. Oh. Um but it sounds to me like when you're in the thick of things, like you don't have enough time to realize that you've just been bludgeoned and bloodied in all kinds of different ways. Like that's for after. Yeah, you don't notice. You really don't. It's uh, you got the adrenaline pumping. Yeah, and then like once that wears out, then you're kind of like, oh crap. So you know, then but I also had like people with knives. I had uh, people with chairs. So did you ever get stabbed by a metal nail file? No. <sighs> <laughs> no, I, I never saw that as a weapon, actually. Oh, okay. So, well, uh, but no, it was, um, I mean, listen, like, I, the, I, the place I worked at, I would say the, the one in St. Pete, there was something every night, but this was such an exaggerated form of bar fighting. I never witnessed this. I gotta say, rewatching this after all these years, Dalton speaks some truth. I kind of enjoyed watching this again as an adult, not like a mm -hmm. 20, 21 year old kid going like, yeah, 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 beat people up, Dalton, Tai Chi. Like he teaches some lessons in this. I liked it. I don't know if he believes it, but it was fun to watch. It is interesting how this encounter, I mean, it starts off, I think sort of, it, it starts off very slowly. And so my next question is like, out of nowhere, an unidentified man who I think we will never see again, this guy in this plaid shirt, just picks oh, up chair, a chair okay. and throws it at the entire bar. <laughs> Like, who is this guy, and why does this happen? That's my question to you. I was going to ask, have you seen this guy before? No, this this guy, this guy, we have never seen this guy before. I mean, Marcy, unless I'm, unless I am, is that, wait, is that O'Connor? He gets, he gets up next to, um, he's sitting next to the dude, then he gets up to go start problems. Oh, is that's, that, so. That's what I read it as. Maybe that's, maybe I just can't see him because it all happened so fast. Is that O'Connor, maybe? You get a very slight profile. O'Connor has less hair than this guy has. Yeah, I don't. I do not recognize this guy. I don't think we've ever seen him before. There, there yeah. are here. There are, I think O'Connor. Isn't this O'Connor sitting down here? Yeah, the guy in the blue shirt. Oh, yeah. And that guy, it's. I mean, you can't tell who that person is. Yeah, well, he, no. he's the guy that Dalton goes immediately for when, when right. the fighting starts. So right. he like throws him against the wall later, and I didn't recognize him. But I, I love that that's the guy Dalton went for. So this is the guy who has thrown a chair. He, there are many more chairs he could throw. This is good, a bigger problem. The people like he, who are involved in this fight, except for Jimmy, are like rando nobodies. They're not even part of the, the Brad Wesley's crew. You're right about that. The guy the who, person that Wade is fighting is like some old man with also a black Also some guy hat in a little black hat that we've never seen. <laughs> we don't know that guy. Waylaid by this stranger. Who are these people? <laughs> but he can't even get into the real fight here. He's just distracted. It's this old I, I, drunk has started attacking him for no reason. I, I don't I know. Do. If I ever got into a like a bar situation where I really wasn't under attack, but I could wreak some havoc. I might want to break a whole bunch of glass. I mean, that seems like fun to me. 
don't know. Keep an eye on Marcy, Mark. Yeah. You need to get her out of the bar yeah. first. She's going to be a problem. We've heard on previous minutes, Marcy, that you really enjoy the sound of breaking glass in this movie. I do. We just had an ice storm here in, in Connecticut, and it's been really fun to go out and smash ice. Ooh. been really enjoying that. Not as much fun when, like, half a tree falls down across your driveway, though. No, but, you know, un- uncovering our cars that have been sealed shut with the ice has been pretty fun. I like so, how Jimmy smashes the bottle before he comes oh, into the fight. Yeah, the, the minute before this, like, that yeah. that bottle explodes with, like, <laughs> like the sound turned up to 11. Wow. These bot- like I feel like in these movies, a lot of beer bottles are just like sand. Like they just shatter as soon as you hit it. But like the reality is like there's gonna be a lot more funking in there, not as much yeah. shattering. But I do want to say, like uh, very rarely in bar fights, you see a one-on-one. It's always like something breaks out and then someone's like, I got an opportunity to do something crazy. And then they jump in. Like the guy that attacked me, he wasn't even part of it. Like I that- had he he had nothing to do with the fight. So like like people, like if you you're not going to throw the first brick, but if 30 people are throwing bricks, you're going to be like, well, sure. Uh, so I, I, that's what that's what I've seen. It's like there's always someone random in a bar fight. You don't even know who they are. They're just that's there. that's what we call the the tinker school of pugilism, where you just wait until everybody else is engaged, and then you just come in and like sucker punch someone from behind yeah, when they can't realize it. You don't even know who they are. Like you're just like, hey, there's a dude that's open, or probably a bouncer they would target. But also, I want to say, I'm bummed out that Keith David doesn't get more fighting. In yes. Scene. Thank you. I'm, I'm bummed out that Keith David doesn't get more in general. Like, do you Absolutely. all know about sort of the, the tragic loss of Keith, Keith David from this movie? Two he and was, half hours, right? Yeah. This movie, and they cut him out. So, yeah. So the original rough cut of this, well, so this is a two-hour movie. Originally, the rough cut was three and a half hours. So yes. some things had to go. So Wait, just to summarize. Three and a half quick, hours. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Which I think was what I hear was mostly they cut out a lot of Carrie Ann. That's a good move. They also cut out a couple of fight scenes that weren't so great. Um, and they cut out most of Keith David, which is sad because he's a national treasure. So Keith David, he plays Ernie, the replacement bartender. Just really quickly to summarize, do you all know about sort of like his backstory that we never get a chance to see? I don't. No, I, so, I know. I read a, a brief paragraph on EV Club where he said that he shot for 11 weeks and bought a car. But other than that, I don't, I, I don't know... Uh, so the backstory in the script, there's actually there's a whole Ernie the bartender subplot that just oh. never made it into the final cut of the movie. Where and it, it makes sense because like he's a name he's a named person in the credits at the beginning of the movie, which doesn't make sense because he's, he's got really 90 seconds of screen time. Yeah, yeah. he's he's a pretty famous actor at this point in the when this movie's being shot. So here it is in a nutshell: he and his girlfriend come into the come into the double deuce. This is like back in the bad old barbed wire around the band days and a couple of rednecks shockingly decide to start up trouble with them because they're black and dalton steps in protects them and then gets ernie and his girlfriend uh jobs at the double deuce as bartender and waitress respectively none of that stuff makes it into the movie Instead, I think we get we get one line from Ernie where he says that the whiskey is running low, and we do get a little bit of fighting from him in this in these couple minutes, which is nice. They live, and Jeff Amata's in this. Jeff Amata was a stunt coordinator for They Live. Like, just give Ernie Hudson a ten minute fight in the backyard, like in the back of the bar. Um, Keith, Keith David. Keith David. Wait, what did I call him? Ernie Hudson. You <laughs> called him Ernie Hudson. If if Winston if Winston Zedemore was in this movie, that would be fun oh. too. Oh, you know, I was just thinking about bring both in. 
I was just thinking about Congo yesterday. There's a scene with Laura Linney and Ernie Hudson where they're just shooting missiles out of the air with flare guns with like precision aim. It's one of the most beautiful moments of the 1990s that I can think of. So maybe I had Hudson on the brain. Jay, have you all done Congo yet on Deep Blue uh, Sea Minute? We, oh, Mark no. and I did. A, we did an episode on, on movies, films, and flicks, and his other. Oh, okay. Yeah. So you don't Deep you don't want to double dip on that, but so. Uh, Congo definitely seems like it. It's it. It would fit yeah. into your Fully. list of deep blue sea adjacent movies I, very I love well. Congo so very much. I've never seen it before. before. It's great. <laughs> yeah, Congo is phenomenal. Uh, but I actually, you, you say at the start oh. of the show that the Roadhouse is the best bad movie along those lines. Uh, have you watched The Core? No. You seen okay, the core is the best bad movie. Uh, Marcy, have you seen that? I feel like <laughs> I, think you I, have. Ha- I think I did years ago when I was teaching a seventh grade earth science class and yep. explaining what was wrong with the science there. That's that is the, the one the where the correct use of the core, yes. Yeah. <laughs> the core of the earth stops spinning and so the yeah, earth's magnetic yeah. field goes awry. Yeah, birds start falling from the sky, pacemakers explode, you know, science. And they have to go into the core of the earth and explode it so it starts spinning again. You know, science. We wow. should rewatch that. <laughs> and it's got like a great cast like Delroy Lindo, Stanley Tucci, Richard Jenkins, Aaron Eckhart, uh, uh, Hilary Swank. Uh, Hilary Swank, DJ Qualls is a, <laughs> a ridiculous cast. We're about to go see a movie like that today. We're going to go see uh, Moon- Moonfall. Moonfall. <laughs> I feel like Moon- world. Moonfall is cut from the same cloth as the yep, core. I've I seen the preview, so. and it looks like it's going to be bananas crazy, and it also has one of those casts that's way too good to be in that movie. Yeah. P-Dub is a St. Pete boy. Like He's from where I kind of grew up around, St. Petersburg. Hmm. I remember when he was in the Alamo and Phantom of the Opera. That was a big deal. We're like, a boy from St. Pete got out. He didn't become James Franco from Spring Breakers. <laughs> He's not in Zola. You know, like, it's uh, it's one of those guys. Since we're giving Keith David some love, I feel like it's my obligation whenever I have this chance to just point out, once again, there's there's a guy on the left of Keith David who you can see right when after the chair goes over the bar. He springs into action. This is yeah, my man, right James, James McIntyre, the guy on the left. He is... He is uncredited in this movie. Well, actually, he's listed as an uncredited role as bartender, parentheses, leaded or unleaded. He's in at least a half a dozen scenes in this movie, and he has no credit, even though he has spoken word. He has, he has like, lines of dialogue. Yeah, he has more lines than Keith David. He does. <laughs> and he does a good job of this movie, and he's not in the credits. I feel bad for him. Okay. In the history of cinema... I would like to be an extra in three movies because I've done a bunch of extra work when I, I started worked in the film industry for a long time and I started off as an extra. Uh, I, but I would love to be a pilot in Star Wars, right? Huge mutton chops. Like, I'm going down. I would have a whole book written about me because, like, for, if you're a pilot in the Star Wars world, like, you're famous. You're set for life. Be, yeah. yeah, set for life. I'd want to be on the boat on Deep Blue Sea, one of the dancing employees. <laughs> of course. And then I would want to be one of the bar fighters in this movie, just getting punched in the background by Keith David, just like, or, you know, get, or like, I don't know, get one punch on Sam Elliott. Like that would be, um, which, which stage of double deuce would you like to be in a fight scene? Would you like to be in like nice double deuce fight like this fight? Or would you prefer to be like back in the bad old Morgan days where everything is dirty and brown? Terry Funk to pick me up. Oh, and throw me yeah. on something. You know what I mean? Get me stuck in the chicken wire. Like I get hung upside down in the chicken wire. Yikes. You want your eyeballs to be awesome. swept up at the end of the night. 
I don't think that they cover wow. medical expenses if you're an extra, Mark. I don't know. I've never been one, but I'm just For guessing. 60 bucks they pay me for it. If it sounds like listeners, listeners who haven't heard, listened to you receive, it sounds like Mark has had just the most bizarre of lives being an extra and a bouncer for five years. He's also lived in Korea for a while. This is true. Everything he says is true. And I, I'm not I'm not jumping in because I've had a very uh, boring life in comparison. Like he, he spent five years as a bouncer. I did three months doing data entry at a pension company. That's my equivalent. That's great. But you bring so much knowledge to us through your, through the podcast and through all the extra movies that you've done after you all finished up through your Deep Blue Seas. I feel like you've... Like, I brought Mark to you. That was my role in this podcast. No, no. <laughs> Nonsense. You're also I'm our here, first... I'm you're our first... Your... Oh, you're our first international guest, and we're oh, very excited sorry. about that as well. Um, because of Mark... you, I learned there's the Johansson in Shark in Venice, Jay. Like, that's... <laughs> Yep, yep. Scarlett Johansson's sister is in Shark in Venice. That's all it will say about that film. Listeners, listeners need to find out about that on their own. Shark in Venice. Marcy and I have a strong... Well, uh, Marcy and I, I think, enjoyed very much the night when we watched Deep Blue Sea. Because uh, I, knew, I knew that movie yeah. was great. Uh, we watched it... Uh, this is not to disparage your movie in any way, but we, we started this thing where we would... Called Drunk Cinema, where we would just get a little tipsy before we watched... Uh, various movies uh, you should think... give him a little bit of context that you, until last year we'd never had anything to drink before in our that's lives that's true so that's true so being drunk is we're kind of figuring a novel experience some things out <laughs> and watching deep blue sea when you're just a little drunk makes it just that little 10 percent better it was fantastic it's a it's a fantastic movie I... I've been just a little drunk for every recording of the Deep Blue Sea podcast, so that oh. works out fine. Well, there you go. Well, hopefully, you continue that today. I hope so. It's good, like the surprises in it, right? Like Samuel Jackson's death, like the the intricate yes. Stellan Skarsgård death. Spoiler alert! <laughs> All of the characters' deaths, <laughs> but like the sharks, like Walt Conti's sharks. I mean, it's just uh, it's just unbelievable. Like it's just such a good polished. The guy who did the costumes for it, he's won Oscars. Like he he won like he did Joker. Like huge costume designers worked on that movie. Big no, time. You know, I mean, production and designers. Like I joke about this movie being the best bad movie of all time, but honestly, for what it's trying to do, it's oh, also a great movie. I feel like yeah. we can say this is a great movie in the same way that you all can say that Deep Blue Sea is a great movie. And to that end, like there are there are multiple people working behind the scenes in this movie who are Dean Academy Cundy. Award nominated. Dean Cundy, who is one of the greatest cinematographers of the 20th century. Look, look behind um, you. You're back to the future poster. It's yep. crazy. He's he's uh, and not just him. I mean, the screenwriters, one of the screenwriters was uh uh, nominated for Academy Award. Uh, the editors are Academy wow. Award winners. Like Joel Silver basically just threw so much talent at this movie for reasons that I don't quite understand, uh, except that he wanted it to be great. And Benny the Jet is in here, one of the best martial artists, like what, 52 and 0, he retired. You know, have you talked about Julie Michaels yet in her oh, yes. career? Oh, yes, we have. <laughs> She's, did you, I, so researching this, I fell down a Julie Michaels uh, like research thing. She, her husband too is a stunt coordinator. Like they're they're nominated for an Emmy this year. Like there's this is a stacked. Like I loved her, and she met Benny the Jet on this, and then he helped her train. And now she's like doing How to Get Away with Murder and some of the biggest shows on TV. It's it's so cool. I I, I did a, a series for a while called Final Fights, and I, I really researched a lot of stunt coordinators and just looking, seeing like Charlie Pacerni and Julie Michaels on this. Like this is a stacked. I mean, this is a stuntman's paradise. This oh, yeah. movie. For sure. And, you know, so I was, we were doing the previous fight, the one with uh, Ketchum's uh, boot knife. 
Um, and one of the things, so I was doing that those three minutes with um, the Midnight Boys, the guys who do oh, Titanic nice. and Tombstone. Yeah. And one of the things that I think Rob said that makes this movie great is the fact that the people in this movie, in the fight scenes, are like, they know what they're doing. Even the people in the main cast who are in these fight scenes know what they're doing. And so you don't have to like Michael Bay it up and like cut every two and a half seconds. Um, and, and you can light it up too. That's the other thing. Like Dean Cundy. So we've talked about the fact that Dean Cundy only has one light level in this movie and it's 95%, which is fine. Like you can get away with that in these fight scenes because you don't have to like cover it up. Yeah, and like, there's no quick cuts. I mean, like, I know you're not going to talk about it till the very end, but the the final fight, there's a, a sequence where I think they throw seven, eight punches in a row, and it's like on a dolly shot, and it looks beautiful. And here, like, there's some. Well, we'll get to it in a later minute. But I like, like, you know, Swayze throws straight punches in this. Like, he these guys know, like, there's there's actual like leg kicks. I don't think in the '80s people threw leg kicks in movies. And like, there's some there's some strategery in these fights so I, it's a lot better than i remember the fights it, are better than i remember that's it's kind sure. of more like a martial arts fight movie than just a regular brawling movie yeah and i you know it's kind of fun like I, I i talked about the world's end as much as i love that movie the fight scenes just bother me they don't like i know edgar wright loves stylistic choices but like these actually feel like bar fights in a bar fighting movie i mean it's completely different from the world's end and like the kind of kind of crazy fighting that they have in that but these are better than I remembered, actually. I mean, the movie's still bonkers. It's a good, bad movie, but I think the fight scenes are good. There are some tropes, though. So just kind of looking looking at the part of the fight that we see in this minute, I, I definitely enjoyed the fact. So finally we get Jack, who is attempting to corral the situation by coming up and giving Jimmy just this gigantic bear hug. And then Jimmy does this thing, which I feel like is a trope in 1980s movies fights, where he uses the opportunity to, like, launch himself in the air, and then double-kick Hank in the chest. Yes, that's Jack is helping. That's yeah. like a classic... Yeah, they're, they're almost working together. Like, this is a classic 80s fight move. Never bear hug. I don't. I never understood why people bear hug in movies. Well, I, I, okay, so you're Jack. What else are you going to do? I mean, so, like... I mean, close... All right. That sounds so stupid saying me saying, like, this guy would wipe the floor with me, but, like... You know, in all my MMA training, you, you want to, like, close the distance so you don't get kicked by the guy. Like, you want to get in. So, like, you know, take out his leg. Like, his legs are there when he could have done it. He could have, like, taken out that out. Like, or there's better headlocks to, like, put this dude in. Like, it's, uh, but he's also untrained. I don't know, Mark. So, I've never trained in MMA like you. I feel like the safest place to approach Jimmy is from behind. Just don't bear hug him. Punch him in the I back mean, of the head. There's an upturned chair on the stair behind, on the on the stage behind Jack. I feel like he could have grabbed the chair and... and use that as a weapon because like uh, jimmy's still armed he's still got the cue so you need something that would get some distance as well you could use the chair as like a like a lion tamer like, i've never been in a fight so i don't i, I, I am the least experienced about this of anyone ever on this podcast. I, have, I haven't either <laughs> of the four people on this podcast i believe there's one of us who's actually ever been involved in a fight so <laughs> we should defer to you mark and i don't love fighting I don't, i've never i've just always been a fan like i don't go out looking for anything i was never that person but like i don't know i've always enjoyed him i mean i retired after like a bad concussion i just got tired of getting punched in the head but uh i mean listen but also when you watch movies like i played tennis for years too and like whenever i watch a tennis movie i don't complain about the form like i think the only good form i've ever seen in a tennis movie is king richard so i mean it, it, these are movies so i also take everything at a really heightened like this is another timeline where bear hugs are feasible 
like where you know like this world works so i, I guess i never have a problem with like fights or any of that because i don't know this is still fun i mean the play man, the boy just he, he pulls a guy I mean, it's... Yeah, oh yeah We're, so we'll get to that that's that's coming up i think in the next minute but mark mark have you ever been a bouncer in anywhere with live music playing yeah oh yeah so i worked in a music uh bar okay and so uh, does, we probably does get, the like, band keep playing yeah. during a fight because that's what i love here depends where it is so it's like if it takes place right in front of the stage they'll probably stop but if it's in the back they'll keep playing like it's to the point where the guitarist is moving out of the way of people being thrown onto the stage or yeah. where one of the one of the combatants pole vaults himself onto the stage where the yes. band is the bands that I saw, though, they, they would attack the guy if he pulled open up. Because we had a lot of hardcore and, like, metal bands. Like, we had, like, you know, Swedish death metal, you know, like, uh, that kind of stuff. So uh, they probably would have gotten in on it. They're you know, watching whole... this minute, so the bassist for the Jeff Healy band, and we haven't talked about the Jeff Healy band yet, but the bassist for the Jeff Healy band, uh, Joe Rockman, he's just he just takes it all in stride. He just sort of is... <laughs> he's just gently strolling off to just the right of the stage step over here now. Con <laughs> continuing to play his guitar well they're so used to it they used to have the cage around them and it's yes, been so. a while since they had the cage <laughs> this is more freedom this is luxury on. they were getting beer bottles thrown at the cage before this is uh not it's as extreme great. yeah i mean you get to watch some sweet fights you get to play some music yeah i mean that's a big stage too our stage wasn't that big like that's a pretty gnarly stage were you working in a what you would call a bar? Was it a roadhouse, a dance club? What what type oh, of establishment yeah. it, was this? It was like a total dive bar. But like, oh, okay. so we were like we we like I saw my Chemical Romance play in front of thirty people. Wow. Um, we had the Ataris show up. Like all these bands, like Wiz Khalifa played in front of like forty people when I was working there. Like we had a lot of bands come through that just weren't huge, but then they blew up. Like we were kind of like hardcore punk. Uh, you know, we kind of had some rap, hip hop coming in sometimes, but yeah, it was more of like a. It was more of like the, so I was on like a strip on Tallahassee and it was more of like a, I don't know, like, I guess a tough bar. Like we weren't, we weren't the frat bar. Like we were like, uh, not the hipster bar either. Like we were like the, yeah. A hole, know, like, would you describe your place as a hole in the wall? In a hole in the wall, a hole in the wall, in a hole in the wall. <laughs> oh, I see. Oh. Yeah. There you go. Yeah. Like, you know, in sixth street in Austin, like we were like on 14th, like we weren't <laughs> even close to that. But I mean, I guess in Playboy in 2006, we were the best bar in America, someone said. Someone finally discovered us, and then we got pretty popular. Wow. But yeah, that was a pain in the butt. But uh, I never fought anybody with a pool stick, though. I did get someone wedged behind a dart machine, though. That was pretty interesting. I feel like we can't let this minute go without talking at least a little bit about Brad Wesley, because he definitely has a really choice moment in this minute. Like, this is, oh, yeah. this, this is peak Brad Wesley as being a slime ball. He's... Ben Gazzara is the best part of the film, as far as I'm concerned. I'd love him in everything. He's and fantastic. He's just so he's got such a glint to him. Like he's the main. I, I think well, Kevin Ty feels like he should be the villain of this film just by his general appearance. And because, but but Ben Gazzara is, is so charming. He's so charismatic. He's so like such a likable villain despite being despicable in every sense of the word every, it, everything it, he does is villainous but i just like him Jay, what is your what are your what is your favorite brad wesley moment from this movie <laughs> it might be here it might, might be, be here just, can we get a little drink in it and just well tomorrow we'll get more into I, it but, oh my God. <laughs> it's, but this, this so that clips that i got sent at the 16 minute mark just a smug look on his face yeah he's just come there to start trouble uh, <laughs> 
you know, run amok, and he succeeds. Like his, his, what he did was successful in this bar. Like he kind of comes in and takes it over. And but I love that look on his face. He's just so happy. Yeah. Uh, when the go- what, what? Sorry. Go ahead. That's a cute couple seconds when Tinker's kind of edging away from him, and he's <laughs> got that little look on his face. That's cute. And when, when the chair chucker chucks the chair. He like this is beyond what he was thinking. I think this is like a surprise to to him. He's like, oh, great! I mean, even more is happening. I'm just going to sit back and who knows what's going to happen next. This is fantastic. It seems deeply ironic that he should ask for a drink when one of his henchmen just threw a chair through the entire bar. I still don't think it was one of his henchmen. I think it was just a. Oh, you think it's a random, random guy, guy who just decided to throw? Just a wants chair. to chuck a chair. That's probably I want to true. Start a criminal empire just so I can smile during a similar situation or a drink when the bar is getting destroyed. I don't have anything else about the action from this minute. Do y'all have anything else? Uh, what, how, how Jimmy gets out with a bear hug. He just thrusts these very tight elbows into to Jack behind him. Oh. I don't think they would have done any damage at all. It just kind of looks like he's wiggling, and he, but Jack doubles over in real severe pain. Well, then it, and then it seems like it's pretty clear he gives him the cue stick to the back of the neck. Yeah, yeah, that, but that that makes sense. But like, how he gets out of the bed, he's just kind of like wiggling in and he's out. Uh, yeah, that's, that's the only other note I had. <laughs> I kept calling him Double Denim rather than Jimmy because I didn't have his name. Oh yeah, he's got a denim tuxedo on there. Yeah, that's, uh, that's not a good look. I think he's still wearing his Velociraptor necklace too. It's kind of fun <laughs> when he's doing his beckoning, like his yes. super gold cross in his ear is just glistening. <laughs> That's a great move, though. And walking out with a pool stick, flinging it around like that. I, I would have, you know, if I if I was a bouncer, like one of Dalton's bouncers, I wouldn't have gone in there. I remember one time a UFC heavyweight fighter came in my bar in St. Pete and was running amok, and I didn't even try. Because <laughs> he fought for the title. I'm like, this guy would take his pinky and destroy me. So I just watched him. Yeah. And I looked at him once and kind of went, why? Um, that was That's all I did as a bouncer. So, yeah, if I saw this dude swinging a pool stick... Wearing all that denim with the, that earring, <laughs> with that necklace, with that bracelet. I mean, fire me. You put it all together. That's a danger right there. Yeah. I mean, like, <laughs> if he didn't have the bracelet, I might have fought him. Yeah. But, like, he had the bracelet, I'm like, this dude is. Take away one me. element. Yeah. yeah. Like, what is like, that necklace? He's a lot. He's a, he's a very live kicking fight. And also, too, bouncers don't deal with kicks. I don't know. I can't think of one time in all my years of bouncing when I saw somebody kick that like wasn't on the ground. So if I'm, mm-hmm. you need a lot of space for that. But yeah, if I'm if I'm seeing some guy on a dance floor just kicking people, I might freeze up. I don't know what I would do. That's a you don't see many kicks in bar fights. Well, I've I've just noticed like, I've got this playing on loop whilst we're talking. Uh, next minute we'll talk more about it. But Wade, we know that he has a bad knee. He does a, a full kick. With that bad leg, like full out stretch, so it's it's no no wonder that he's kind of limping a little bit later uh, this week. But yeah, he should know better than to do a full kick with his bad leg. He's mm. got a bad leg, and it's about to get worse. Yeah, <laughs> he does a full kick, and then he he needs a guy with it. He, yeah, he's he's it's his own fault, I think, at this point. There's some good high school yearbook quotes in here. Never fight with a bad leg. That's a really good high school yearbook. Always carry a pu- a pool stick. Always carry a pool stick. <laughs> if they're wearing a bracelet, don't engage. Double denim takes you down. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Randos 
throw bar stools. Yeah, watch out for beware. chucking chairs. Beware the golden cross. <laughs> beware the golden cross. I love it. I feel like that was the unfilmed sixth episode in the Pirates of the Caribbean franchise. <laughs> hey, it's coming. They're making it. Well, hey, uh, before we close out this minute, I, I would love to hear from each one of you, like what your, if you can remember back to your first experience with like watching Roadhouse. Jay, do you remember what it was like when you saw Roadhouse for the first time? Uh, I think I first saw it about 10 years ago. I'd heard about it. Uh, a friend of mine used to host a podcast called Film Don't Hurt. Based <laughs> on, yeah, it, it was a very short run uh, show. It was just talked about kind of 80s action movies. And I didn't know where the title came from, so I asked them, they said this. And then I watched it just out of interest. And I, I remember liking it, but I couldn't remember a single thing about it other than uh, someone gets their throat ripped out. Until a couple of weeks ago, when I watched it again for this. And I really liked it, but my wife has a new least favourite film. Oh, no. <laughs> she was, sorry she about was, that. wasn't a big fan. I'm sorry Megan about that. not like it either. She's not a fan. <laughs> what about you, Mark? I mean, we know you lived it, but do you remember? Do you remember what it was like when you? Oh, you're holding up your VHS <laughs> copy. Yes. Whoa. So, what was it like when you watched Roadhouse for the first time? So I, I saw it on TBS because it was always on TV, and so I didn't really know about all like the other crazy stuff of it. And then when I got older, maybe like 11, I I think I rented it. And I watched it. I'm like, what is this movie? Uh, you know, because I, I was like, this is bonkers. And I, you know, I liked Swayze, like, because I, I think I'd watched Ghost and Point Break before this. And so, uh -huh. you know, what's you know what's interesting about this movie is, like, I, 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 I always appreciated like Cusack the way he did his action, uh, like in uh, Gross Point Blank or or Say Anything, like a nice guy who beats people up. And like, but watching Dalton with his Zen philosophy and kind of talking the way he does and like just his principles. You don't see that much in a Stallone picture, a Schwarzenegger picture. Like Jean-Claude Van Damme showed a little bit of um, sensitivity. He showed a little, like he could get hurt in a fight. Like Seagal just wiped people off the face of the earth. Yeah. So yeah. Oh. So just just to call back to one of your most recent episodes, Jay, uh, where you did the fantastic Under movie Siege. Under Siege, Under uh, Siege. Steven Seagal would not treat his fights this way. No. I feel like Steven Seagal is is the Morgan of the film oh uh, for he, sure so he, he doesn't have the temperament for it or uh, or steven yeah. seagal's more sort of like cut from the jimmy cloth yes yeah. i can see that yeah he's, he's on jimmy. the villains team he's definitely on the villains team nobody would hit him you know the funny thing about under siege and i was really i was i was listening the whole way through because i love that movie i was listening the whole way through and you never mentioned this that's the that movie is at least uh roadhouse adjacent because do you remember how Tommy Lee Jones dies in that movie? Uh, knife in the head. Uh, no, he gets his, he gets his throat ripped out. He gets a knife in the head, so and then he gets stabbed, stabbed right in the head. He gets stabbed in the head, and then his face smushed into the the control board in, in the and board. All bites the knife. Wait, yeah. I could have sworn because I I feel like I just watched this movie and and Steven Seagal ripped somebody's throat out. Am I hallucinating my own movie onto Under Siege? <laughs> it's definitely not Tommy Jones. It might. I mean, he he does. He takes out a lot of people in that film. I don't remember a throw. I'm going to but... go back and rewatch it, and then I'll probably okay. just cut. I'll just cut all this this bit out. <laughs> he has ripped throats before. The goal has. <laughs> I'm going to go check. I'm going to. I'll go check, and I will follow up. Uh, yeah. I think I just did research for a Seagal versus JCVD video. I work on for Rotten Tomatoes versus, and I think he still rips throats in one of those movies. You're right. I, I think it's okay. under siege, but I'm now I'm now I'm doubting myself. Uh, I've just oh, I've just googled Steven Seagal throat rip, 
so my my Google history is great. Uh, Steven, and they, Under Siege has come out, but it doesn't mention Tommy Lee Jones. It's it's a bad guy who he rips out a throat with. Oh, it no must just be some him. random person. This is the list of the top five throat rips. Roadhouse is number four. What? What? <laughs> MacGruber? MacGruber is on there. Uh, right? No, we got we got Blade, Underworld Awakening, and Rambo, the fourth one. Uh, are apparently better throat rips than that's crazy. The king of all throat rips. I am a, I am offended. Anything yeah. after this movie is just a poor imitation. I have clicked. I have clicked off of that site. I will not be returned. I need to take a shower after hearing that list. That's not good. <laughs> Before we get out of here, can each one of you tell us all the places on the internet where we can find and listen to you? How about you, Jay? Okay, well, as, you, as we've mentioned many times, uh, we host Deep Blue Sea, the podcast, which started out doing a chapter by chapter look at look back at the three Deep Blue Sea films. Yes, there are three Deep Blue Sea films. Uh, we did we did all three of those, and since then we've been uh, looking at one film a week on a Deep Blue Sea adjacent kind of genre. So other films directed by Rennie Harlan, uh, shark movies, underwater films, those kinds of things. Uh, so that's Deep Blue Sea, the podcast, and then I have my own personal site, Life versus Film dot com, Life vs Film where it's just kind of a personal blog. But I also run The Lamb, the large association of movie blogs, which uh, is exactly what it sounds like. So if anyone out there has a movie blog or podcast like this one and wants to join a community of like-minded folks and they can come and join us over at The Lamb. And there's a monthly, uh, sorry, there's a weekly podcast called The Lambcast, which I do a monthly show on, which is movie trivia called Lampity, which is very much like Jeopardy, but all movie, all movie trivia. Uh, Mark's been on before. It's always fun, generally insane. Uh, we've recently got a... We have an in-house pianist now for our, our, for our musical <laughs> round. <laughs> it's yeah, it's it's uh, it's a crazy show. It's a lot, it's a lot of fun. Yeah, Movie trivia sounds cast. like fun. That's a good intersection of two of my favorite things. How about you, Mark? Yeah, you can go to movies, films, and flicks. Movies, films, and flix dot com to read all the reviews. The podcast. We were just number three in Turkey, which is pretty cool. <laughs> we're number three in Italy recently too, so that was pretty cool. Uh, and then I also work for Rotten Tomatoes. I work for the film theorists uh, with Matt Patton, their crew. So if you go on YouTube, type in film theory, Mark Hoffman, you can see my scripts for the, video, for the videos I wrote. And I work for fandom. I started doing their by the numbers videos. So if you go on fandom, you go to by the numbers, I pull all the data and stats for those. And then Deep Blue Sea the podcast. It's wonderful. We're doing Skip Trace soon. So I'm excited. Thank you once again for listening to another episode of Roadhouse Minute. Please, if you can, rate and review us on your favorite podcatching app. Come and join us on Facebook at The New Double Deuce. We're also on Twitter and Instagram at, at @rhminute, and you can email us at daltonsaysbenice at gmail.com. So remember, until next time, be nice. Bye now. Bye. Bye.